theory or practice, it's a constant battle when you're teaching. I'm Dr. Joy Patterson, the Director of Educator Preparation at Governor State University and the College of Education. And I'm Dr. Amy Viaclia, Governor State University Assistant Professor of English Teacher Education. In teaching and learning theory versus practice, Dr. Joy and I will duke it out over whether theory or practice wins the match. Yeah, I can't wait. So whether you're a teacher, an education leader, or looking to learn more about the field, you can hear from industry experts on education topics. We invite you to be the judge as we box it out. Stick around to find out who wins this week's match. We are talking to Joe Ferrero, the 1% Better Podcast Guy. So we are looking forward to this conversation. I'm honored to be here, ladies. Anytime I can help. Excellent. And so there, there are just so many directions. I think we could go with this conversation that we are recording and we want to record. This is so interesting and bizarre. <laughs> but what really spoke to me a few years ago is your work as an English teacher. Okay. I taught. Amy's an English teacher. <laughs> yes, I'm an English teacher. And so when I first started listening to your podcast, it was just fascinating because I'm like, oh, well, we can all get 1% better in something. Uh-huh. And it was so fascinating to me how broad that 1% was. It was somewhat about teaching, but it was all about these other facets of life, like organization or health and fitness and just mindset. And then I will have to admit during the pandemic, when I wasn't commuting, I took a break from podcasts. I like have a hiatus time and we had conversations. Uh Joy and I recorded conversations and started a podcast, but really consuming other podcasts was limited during that time. So I'm like re-upping that and really listening to all of these different, these forums and thinking about, wow, I, I want to change. Right. <laughs> I want to improve. I want to do all these things. How we can get better. And that's actually how we started doing podcasts because Amy and I, our office are a few doors apart and we're always constantly thinking, how can we get better? How can our curriculum get better? How can we prepare better educators? And so we're not afraid of change. So when the pandemic hit, we were like, what are we going to do now? How are we going to continue to get better? So that's when we started the podcast. We started it with a Facebook Live and that turned into a weekly podcast. And now we're near the end of season two of weekly podcasts, but we want to get better. And Amy's having this conversation weekly. How do we get better? How do we expand ourselves? We're talking about amazing things. Just today, we interviewed Dr. Peggy Brookins, the CEO and president over the National Board of Teaching Certification. So you would know her, Joe. Amazing, right? But we are busy people, right? So we make the time to have these conversations, develop questions, develop relationships, but we don't have all the time to send it out into the universe. So Amy wants to know, 
how we can be 1% better. Actually, she wants to know how we can be 100% better. But we'll go 1% at a time because we learned that too, right, Amy? We went to a professional development workshop and we always go for the end. And they say, no, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time, guys. So we want to get better 1% at a time. So who better to talk to, Joe, than you? And this is one of the things that we do, and we want your advice. We do pre-interviews. So, of course, this is time-consuming, but we like to do pre-interviews before we do the interview so we can get to know the person and find out what are we going to talk about in the interview. So I want to call out something or call in something that I don't know if you two are fully aware of or if you even accept my hypothesis, but my hypothesis is both a compliment wrapped in something that worries me, and that is this. Not everyone, very few in fact, even in education, think the way you two do. I mean, think about this. You two are taking time in the middle of your day, talking to another positively crazy person in the right way, in the middle of my day, when we could be doing everything else in the world, including walking to the water cooler. Nothing wrong with that. We all, be, if the pandemic taught us anything, we got to have self-care. We got to be able to do Wordle. We got to be able to do something to take our minds away from the big ideas. But let's come back to what you just got, you, you asked me about. You want to get better. That is not a given. I used to think that was a given, Joy. I used to think everybody wakes up in the morning with their hair or pants on fire and says, how can I attack this day? And sadly, I don't see that from everyone. But what I've learned, and which might wrap into a nice podcast lesson for all of us, is that if we accept the fact that not everybody wants to be better every day, not everybody is thirsty for knowledge on a daily basis, everybody can be happy with the different stages of development that they're in, we don't have to recruit those who are not interested. We don't have to turn completely status quo believers into believers in improvement. We have enough people that are listening to this right now that will eventually listen to the work you put out there who are of the same ilk, of the same thought process. How do I get better? So I'm going to pause there and let that sit for a second because that's the realization that's, that's I talk about mindset, language, and behavior. You've done the mindset because you have that mindset. Now you're doing the behavior. You're doing the actual launching of these shows. And I'm quite certain that the, that the communication is evolving always, always, always. And I think we can meet in a, in a lot of those beautiful intersections. I was just telling Joy as we were talking about our process and she said, we're getting ready to launch season three. You know, it's summertime. I'm like, well, that's a whole numbering issue. That's a whole different conversation. Do you even do that? But I told her about some of our early conversations that really challenged me and they made me nervous. They made me uncomfortable. And now not so much. I'm even thinking, wow, if I went back to some of that raw audio before it was even edited, what would I do differently? What would I edit out? What it would stay in? And some of that is driven by being in a university sponsored, you know, they, we have a lot of support. We have a lot of academic freedom. <laughs> also not tenured, but there. It's even more personal than that. I mean, who do I want to be in that public space? And who did I want to be? And how is that different? How, I know you butt your head against some of these ideas sometimes. How do you 
how do you grapple with that? How do you wrestle with some of these things? I think you do so thoughtfully and with intention about how you do want to show up. You nailed it when you said, I want to be thoughtful about how I show up. And I think maybe we're all evolving. Uh, just, just this week, I had made a pledge to myself. I was going to listen to an 11, not this week, all 11, but I began an 11 part series by a podcaster named Jesse Thorne. And Jesse hosts a podcast called The Bullseye. And his project was called The Turnaround, in which he would interview 11 famous and really successful interviewers. And he would now say, the whole tagline is interviewers interviewed. Uh So far, I've listened to Susan Orlean, Ira Glass, and half of Terry Gross. So famous people in the space. The one thing that has jumped out at me, if I could just take away one thing that shocked me, and I'd never even put in, in my mind before, all three of them talked about they're cutting out 40 to 50% of their conversations before they go to the radio or before they go to print in Susan Orlean's case. So now I'm going to take that idea and my mind is blown. I'm that emoji going, what? Yes. 40% of the best interviewers in the world. They've already been curated down and they're not using 60% of it. Okay. So I take that and I put this on the shelf. And then I come back to you, beautiful ladies, and I say, wait a minute, we're busy. Uh If we're busy, how can we afford to cut 40% of all this? And I'm in the same boat as you. I say, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't give, I don't know the math. I can't give four hours and only walk away with one hour of tape, so to speak. Uh So I go back to another podcaster who influenced me many years ago. And he said, what would it look like if it was easy? What would it actually look like this work? Could we get the 80-20 principle? Can we get 80% of the optimal by doing 20% of that focus work? So the choice I made was very simple. USB microphone plugged into my laptop. Mm -hmm. I edit with GarageBand, put an intro. I used to do a closing. Now I only do an intro. I As we cut do. Out very, yep. I cut out very little. One thing I regret Glass said that I try to do is he said he used the technical term, I'm not going to remember, but basically he's editing as the interview is going on. He realizes if I ask this question, I might get this result. But the last thing I'll say about this is I respect those three immensely, but I'm you I am going to choose to do a different process than that. Because although someone, two people in the last two days have said to me, it's, it's hard to listen to hour long podcasts. I know, but you can break it up over multiple com- commutes. It's the uh-huh. form that I've chosen and I want it to be easy. I want it to be valuable, but I want it to be easy. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Right. And that's where we are. We were talking about our time. We are investing a lot of time because you're doing research you're looking for great people to interview. You're introducing yourselves. And sometimes that take multiple, multiple times you're reaching out to them. And then we're interviewing, we're editing, and there's a lot of work that goes into it. And while our analytics show that we have good listeners, we have good listenership, it should be more. We want it to be more because if we're going to invest this time, our reach should be greater, but we don't have time for the reach. So now we're trying to explore how do we get better at that? How do we put maybe nuggets 
you know, take some of the big work and make it sizable nuggets for people to digest and to get to know us. So we're trying to get better all around. Are you all featuring any part of your show on YouTube? Yes. So we are going to, our marketing department is working on a YouTube for us now. So we've had several Facebook live and those Facebook live have been very targeted where we have access to a listserv of say 4,000 educators. Wow. And it might be on paraprofessional to teaching or critical race theory and cultural relevant teaching and learning the CRT and the CRT. Sure. So we did those Facebook live and then we shoot them out to the schools because we have a, a direct audience for that. But we haven't done a lot of it. We actually like doing that. <laughs> yeah. But sometimes teachers like the whole animation of things too. Listen, the reason the reason I ask is because I don't do anything on YouTube really. I have a YouTube cha- channel and I'm going to give you an example. I think I have 968 subscribers on YouTube and I don't do any promotion. I have a friend who's in education. He and his, his, his good friend do something called the new school leader. They haven't filmed a video in 12 to 15 months. I looked yesterday, they have 3,800 views on the video. This search engine is maddening and I'm not taking advantage of it. And the reason I'm not taking advantage of it comes back to what I said earlier and one other question. What I said earlier was, what would it look like if it was easy? So I can't be everywhere. I'm currently a one-man team. You might have two women team. You might have more. I don't know. You might have a few more opportunities. And the algorithms and the marketing all tell me I need to be on YouTube. And eventually I will. But right now, I'm referring to what Seth Godin told me. I once asked him, hey, I'm checking my downloads. Uh, He was on episode 26 and 66. So now I'm on 219. He says, I said, I'm checking my downloads. I'm not really noticing like the numbers that are really making me happy. Like we're doing all this work. We're not getting the results we need. I'm checking my downloads. I don't like them. What do you have to say about that, Seth? He goes, well, let me ask you a question. When you check these downloads, do you find afterwards you feel better? And I said, no, no, I I don't. He goes, do you find that it makes your work better? He said, no, actually, I feel a little crummier afterwards. He goes, I would stop doing that. (laughs) He told me in that moment. And then I stopped. And every once in a while, I take a peek. But I got to tell you, if look, I'm not naive. I want this conversation and others like it to reach a million people. I don't think one person is enough, right? Like if we change one life, I think we have to have bigger goals than that. But at the same time, I'm enjoying the heck out of this experience for these 30 minutes. So I got to imagine that there's that life-giving piece, even if it's not total numbers. Last point, distribution is a word I'm learning about. I had Ross Simmons on an episode. He blew my mind. He said, here's 85 things you do with every episode. I still only do three of them. I got to go back and watch that episode again. <laughs> I, I took that episode and wrote down the steps. And by page two, I was getting, a, you know, like, oh my goodness, I've, I've got to take a breath here. What, yeah. what part of this can we do and I know we get support at our university we have a student worker he's amazing and so he's helping us out so we do have a little bit of a team and I said what 
step would you want to do? It's like, oh, I want to do the YouTube. I, I want to take it to the YouTube channel. I said, well, you, you go, <laughs> you take that step and you run with it. But it was so rich and, but it was eye-opening as to what we could be doing. We've had some conversations about teacher retention, critical race theory as it's compared to culturally responsive teaching and leading standards. What's the confusion? We've talked about being white and black spaces. And some of these conversations haven't been easy. Being a, a white woman in education, some of these conversations have been pretty tough. So they've challenged me, but I know that they are enriching for me, for Joy, for our listeners, and it's worth the time. It's worth pushing those conversations out there. I'm more like Joe, where I know that it's worth it. And so we put in the investment, but I don't look Joe. I defer to Amy when someone asks us about how many views, how many listeners, the analytics. I refer to Amy because I don't listen. Sometimes I don't listen to the podcast. And she said, listen to this one. How would you edit it? I said, I'm a bad listener, obviously, because I wouldn't edit it at all. And Amy goes for perfection. And so we're grappling with that. How much do you eliminate to get perfection? Or is the imperfection part of what connects you to your audience? I know where I feel. I know where I stand. But I can only be one person, right? I think the bang for your buck that you get from leaning away from perfection is going to have infinite returns. I mean, I think you get down to the microphone that I bought, right? I think when I started, I think it was an $80 microphone. If I had a $220 microphone, would people be able to hear the difference? I don't know. I mean, if you're, if you ever have a casual glass of wine, there's a lot of studies that show people don't know the difference between a $15 bottle and a $220 bottle. In fact, they prefer the 15. I think there's a metaphor there. Now you can't be sloppy because I think there's, you know, one of the, one of the plays, ways that I, I try to serve people is by coaching. And it happened by accident where people who were guests on podcasts and hosts on podcasts would seek me out and then began hiring me to help them ask better questions or be better guests or whatever that would be defined as. So I do believe in high quality. I do believe in the whole ethos of the project is to get better. But I will tell you that the editing process could suck the life out of a project in a hurry, right? So if I was going to, I have not listened extensively to your catalog, but if it's you or someone else that came to me and said, what do you think of it? I would say, well, what are you going to edit out? Like, what is it that you're thinking of editing out? That would, uh, I would challenge listeners to ask that. Like, are you thinking of editing out ums? Are you thinking of editing out boring answers, quote unquote? Are you thinking of editing out the time where my phone rings in the classroom during it? you know, it's almost like a multiple choice test. Like some of those I would edit out and some of those I wouldn't. And I think that's some of the conversations I like to have with people as they grapple with them. Exactly. So it's a choice. Like we edit out the person that fell down the stairs when we were interviewing them. I mean, it could have been a funny moment and we kept it in, but we took it out. But I think maybe sometimes we overdo it when there's a sigh. Amy will sigh because she's taking something in and you can hear that. Sometimes that's important. 
I think for that. When, when is it? When is it not important? Let me ask. Let me challenge you. When is it not mm, important? Why? Maybe. That's a good question. It's being a southerner. I have quite a long way of saying things and lots of pauses. And it's like when I'm listening to that, it's excruciating sometimes. I'm like, come on, just spit it out. You know how to talk. You're it's an English teacher. <laughs> Wait a minute. It's it's excruciating, but we have that's why we have 1.5x. And I, I don't know if you caught the, the more recent episode where I had a guest on and the first question I asked him, he paused for eight seconds before answering. And I made a conscious decision. I'm not taking it out. Oh, I actually, Amy, uh, I, yep. now I'm joy. I'm sensing you and Amy are, are physically having this moment now where you're thinking about it, right? On air, you're going, yes. I told you, well, yeah, but what about this? And I like <laughs> that. I think that's healthy. I think it's healthy. Amy thought about speeding the tape up. And then because we are both slow talkers, and then we, we would at least sound <laughs> like we're fast talkers. That Southern draw would go away. <laughs> but uh, I'm wondering too about this whole imperfection in the podcast realm. I mean, it gives a whole new meaning to the term voice, right? I mean, we're both English teachers and we want our students to have voice in their writing. So what about their products? And so you have this approach to podcast editing. Let's leave in the pauses. Let's think about these imperfections, but they are really part of the perfect product. Compare that. What do you ask students to do when they're revising and editing? And I know written products are different, but doesn't that change your mindset over the last few years? Well, I think that we have to all acknowledge that uh, a piece of art, a poem, a novel, a, a film, a podcast are never perfect. Da Vinci said, art is never finished, only abandoned. So once we acknowledge that, and I can tell an entertaining anecdote when we have more time about my uncle who sold the painting and still revised it after he sold it. I think that once we acknowledge that that's table stakes, then we start to say the editing there becomes so microscopic that you're essentially doing one of two things. You're paralyzing the speaker before it's even edited, right? You're saying, oh, I just caught that. Um, I just caught that. I, I can't, I can't articulate. Or, and maybe this is worse, you're giving into the, uh, the notion that you can be indulgent or, or flabby vocally to say, it doesn't matter what I say because we're editing it out. So you could actually make an argument that editing allows you to be a, a, an inferior communicator because you've given yourself the get out of jail free card on the back end saying, I'm just going to edit this out. I had a friend, we did a co-podcast together, just like you two are doing. And he used to infuriate me. I, I took me forever to correct this. And I don't know why it took so long. He would have this high profile guest, like a major league baseball player on. And he'd go, Hey, before we start recording, don't worry about anything. Joe's going to chop it up, move it around. He's going to rearrange it, say whatever you want. Meanwhile, my wife doesn't recognize me. I can't even get to her on the weekends because I'm now a professional editor. No, let's be our best selves. Let's make a handshake agreement that we're going to do our best and assume positive intentions, just like we would have shared assumptions on a Google Meet or a, a Zoom. Hey, these are our beliefs. This is what we're agreeing to, right? I'm not agreeing to you using anything against me. It's all good faith. What I say, it has good intentions. I'm not going to go back and say, well, you know, I wish I didn't say that. We do our best. I want to come back. I want to push a little bit harder here. 
Hit it. Because there have been some uncomfortable spaces in our, especially in our early podcast. I'm still getting my footing. I don't know who I want to be in this public space. So there were chunks that were removed. It's like, uh, we've really went on a tangent or that's what I would tell myself. So we went on a tangent, didn't really come to the point of the conversation. We'll just take that out. Well, maybe it was more about what I was comfortable leaving in. And it wasn't about the ums and the ahs or the repeating of a sentence to get yourself going, kind of like traction in the conversation. It was about what is our comfort level. And that is what I want to revisit. And I wonder if you have those same thoughts. Do you ever want to just revisit some of those early conversations? Like, oh, I really was an edit happy king at that time. I wonder what was what's in that raw audio that I overlooked or I wasn't comfortable with then, but is worth releasing now. Hmm. That's a good question. I, I I guess it would depend on what you mean by comfort, right? Like earlier I said, you two beautiful ladies. Now, like as soon as I said that, I said, wait, I'm not trying to say like anything. Right. Right. But it was, it was meant as a professional compliment, but I feel like I'm conscious of my words and I'm like, oh, I, I was trying to be professional, but like, that's not something I should have said. So we could cut that. Right. That's like a faux pas potentially, but you kind of seem like you were talking about like content that would serve the listener. Right. So that's one thing that I, I'm not against that. Right. If this was a long winded answer, you take it out. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't serve the audience, you take it out. It did seem, Amy, though, you were pointing towards, I like this idea you keep going back to of showing up as you want to. Mm-hmm. I guess I would want to know more about what you mean. Are you saying you just don't want something out there that represents you way X when you're trying to be way Y? Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Mm. So what if a conversation goes in a direction that you, it just blindsides you? Or I don't have anything to say. I don't have that similar background and I am silenced, silenced in the conversation or I silence myself because I can't contribute in a way that's meaningful and, and it's awkward for me. We have a lot of conversation about access and equity and education and showing up for our students and our students not being represented in the teaching force who is in front of them. But when we start asking the question, why it's hard, it's hard to be part of that conversation. So what's going to be beneficial for the listeners? It's going to be that connection if they can hear me stumbling, but that's uncomfortable for me because it's like, Oh, I'm I'm not showing my best self, not that professional out there, but isn't that okay. And I'm starting to reckon with that. And I'm answering my own question here. Well, I am starting to reckon with that. Right. And I think it's okay. And I think sometimes being a little provocative is okay. I do think because we're represented by the university that we do have to be careful about some things that we put out into the universe and editing gives us that opportunity. But I try not to filter myself too much and I give all the editing powers to our student worker and to Amy because if I were editing myself, that one hour long podcast would probably turn into five minutes. 
because you know when we listen to ourselves and five hours of editing we don't like the way we sound and so i try to not (laughs) i I think you guys are saying it beautifully i I think i have the answer for for amy in terms of an anecdote so i'm as you ask the question amy i am in favor of editing like as you asked that question you really you really swayed me in a way where like you're talking about a chunk of text you're talking about something that doesn't serve anybody take it out the only complication i would throw at you to consider is something that i thought about during one of my conversations so i had a conversation with actually a former student of mine she's a person of color she's very active in the educational space and we had talked about it right not too long after the george floyd uh, incident and far worse than an incident and basically during the conversation, she said something, and I'll keep it as vague as I can, but serve the point, said something about a patriotic song. Hey, that patriotic song isn't as patriotic as you think. There's, you don't know the next line. And I didn't know the next line. I, I, okay. So she finished the point. And then I said, Hey, I got to go back for a second. I'm so sorry. I don't, I'm not familiar with that next line. She kind of stumbled at that point and didn't do all of the research right at that point. And I didn't either. So she ended up saying it's something about, and it was very vague, like I, 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 nothing she said convinced me either way, but I was going to respect where she's coming from. I share that to say, I have two choices in the editing process. Take the whole section out or leave the whole section in. Because what I don't want to happen is if I cut out my clarifying question, even though she did not sound as eloquent as I know her to be, I have now not served anyone. Because my audience is listening to that going, Joe didn't even ask a follow-up about why that song was inappropriate. Because I know my listeners thinking the same thing I'm thinking. I never knew that song wasn't okay. So I have to ask the question because I'm part journalist. So I have to leave it in. Or I could take the whole section out. Does that make, does that resonate with what, what I'm, what, that's the kind of choices you're forced to make. Because if, yeah. I, if I only pick one or the other, it's a big old mess. Now they're, one party or the other is not fully represented. Joe, I think you just made us 1% better. <laughs> yes. I appreciate this conversation so much. Thank you for this yeah. time. And I'm glad it was recorded because I think we really dug into some important issues and some topics that that we will learn from. I'm sure listeners will learn from them too. And There's I'm no question to, I did. I'm going to follow up with you after this session and let you go back to the classroom. And so we'll follow up. Thank you, Joe. Thanks ladies. Let's let's talk again. The best 30 minutes ever. Let's go. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Teaching and Learning Theory versus Practice with Dr. Amy Viaclia and Dr. Joy Patterson. We hope that you have been inspired by this conversation and will join us again as we talk about trends in education and perspectives on teaching. We welcome your comments and feedback. What conversations are you interested in hearing? We'll leave it up to you, our listeners. Did theory or practice win the match? I think it was theory probably this time. Uh, practice. Until next time, we're Dr. Amy and Dr. Joy.